Well, what if your life means more than you think it means? What if there's more going on all around us than you can see with your eyes or hear with your ears or even touch with your hands? What if Elizabeth Barrett Browning was right? What if earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God and only some can see? Others just stand around and pick blackberries. Some see. Graham Hess was a man who saw. He was a man of faith, a husband, a father, and an Episcopal priest. He was a man who saw until he wasn't. In the wake of family tragedy, Graham lost his faith and his hope and his peace and his joy. He would eventually see again, but it would take time and a special bit of circumstances Because in the midst of processing all of the pain and the loss that Graham was going through, he was also unexpectedly and without warning facing an alien invasion. Just when you're thinking things can't get any worse, here come the aliens. Graham Hess was the lead character in the M. Night Shyamalan movie, uh, Signs, one of my favorite moments in this movie is when Graham is watching a spaceship land on the local news and everyone around him is worrying and wondering about what's going to happen and his uh, brother Merrill actually asks this and in response to that he offers these words. People break down into two groups when they experience something lucky, a coincidence. Group number one sees it as more than luck, more than a coincidence. They see it as a sign, evidence that there is someone up there watching out for them. Group number two sees it as just pure luck, just a happy turn of chance. I'm sure the people in group number two are looking at those 14 lights in a very suspicious way. For them, the situation is 50-50. Could be bad, could be good, but deep down they feel that whatever happens, they're on their own. And that fills them with fear. Yeah, there are those people. But there's a whole lot of other people in group number one. And when they see those 14 lights, they're looking at a miracle. And deep down, they feel that whatever's going to happen, there will be someone there to help them. And that fills them with hope. See, what you have to ask yourself is, what kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? Are you the kind who sees signs? sees miracles, or do you believe that people just get lucky? Or, look at the question this way, is it possible that there are no coincidences? Or, I wonder, personally, is it possible that the truth is somewhere in between? That's usually the case. And at some level, these are the kinds of questions that this somewhat complicated passage from Isaiah asks of us, especially as we read it during the Advent season. Isaiah was the kind of person who saw. He saw signs and signals and, and symbols that were more than going on around us, he believed, than we can see with our eyes or hear with our ears or touch with our hands. Isaiah was the kind of person who believed earth is crammed with heaven. He's the kind of person who believed what Graham Hess 
eventually came to believe again by the end of the movie that our lives and many of the things in them that seem ordinary so often mean and matter more than we think. In the year 735 BC, Jerusalem was living under the threat of an impending attack from enemy nations. Some might call it an alien invasion. And we're told earlier in this passage that you heard read a moment ago um, that King Ahaz and the heart of the people shook as trees in a forest before the wind. Or in other words, they were worried. They were nervous. And in the midst of their worry, in the midst of their nervousness, Isaiah urges the king to ask God for a sign. Some symbol of God's presence. Some signal that might point them to what, what God wants for them or has for them next. What might God be promising or planning in this particular moment? Isaiah urges Ahaz to ask for a sign. Pick a sign, any sign, he says, as long as it's something big. Some of us can remember times in our lives where we've asked for such a thing. Or you've asked for something big, for God to show you a sign, a sign that God is real, a sign that God is working, a sign that God is healing, a sign that good things lie ahead. And Ahaz is wondering about this too. And in the midst of his wonder, Isaiah urges him to ask for a sign that is, did you hear it? As deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. Now those are some pretty impressive dimensions, if you know what he meant by that. As deep as Sheol, the holding place of the dead, or as high as the realm of God, as high as the heavenly bodies, as high as the, as the heavens, go ahead, Ahaz, go for it, he says. Ask for it. Ask God for it. But Ahaz says, no. He doesn't want to put God to the test, or maybe he's afraid to put God to the test. He doesn't need a sign, doesn't want a sign. But Isaiah insists, insists that they look for signs and signals, insists that there's more going on around them than they can see with their eyes or hear with their ears, insists that earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush is a fire with God, insists that if we'll look with eyes of faith in this world for signs and wonders among ordinary occurrences, we might just see them. It's hard for us to hear this passage from Isaiah about a young woman being with child and that being a sign from God this time of year without hearing certain things and seeing certain things that, by the way, neither Isaiah nor Ahaz would have seen. This passage is complicated. It has been a challenge and has been challenging to Bible readers and Bible scholars of all kinds over the years for particularly this one question. What's it about? And who, even more specifically, is Isaiah talking about? Who is the woman? Isaiah never tells us, actually. Though over the years, there's been lots of debate about about this. Some scholars, uh, though many scholars, seem to have landed on one particular consensus about the identity of the woman. And that is that the woman Isaiah is referencing is in view. He can see her. 
He's thinking about a very specific woman that perhaps is even there with him. Some, some people wonder if Isaiah was referring to his own wife and, and child. Some people wonder if Isaiah was referring to one of King Ahaz's wives and, and, and children. Some people believe there's a strong case that Isaiah in that moment simply looked around the room for a sign that was ordinary and yet extraordinary. And he caught sight of a young girl who was pregnant and he proclaimed that it was a sign from God. And it was. Isaiah looked around. He saw a young pregnant girl and said, Okay, Ahaz, open your eyes, look over there, and behold a sign from God that is as deep as Sheol and as high as the heavens. The young woman is with child. And the child shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And before the child is weaned, before this particular child can see right from wrong, before it's eating curds and honey, the two nations you're worried about will no longer be a problem. And two years later, those enemy nations that Ahaz was worried about were invaded by another nation and they were no longer a threat. And in the mind of Isaiah and Ahaz, follow this because we have in our mind what this means, the Emmanuel prophecy had then been fulfilled. Isaiah looked around, saw something ordinary that was also extraordinary. Since God was saying this ordinary, extraordinary thing was a sign prophetically pointing to God's presence among them and God's promised future, and then he named it. He named it, and he described it, and then two years later, in light of their own experience, he assumed it had been fulfilled. But we believe that his assumption was only partly correct. A young woman in Isaiah's time likely did have a son likely did name it Emmanuel, and two years later, that prophecy as he understood it had been fulfilled, which was really impressive. But was it impressive enough? Maybe. But Isaiah had said this sign was going to be as deep as Sheol and as high as the heaven. And so I wonder, since there is a great tradition of belief, that a true word from God is so crammed with heaven, can be so crammed with heaven, that it can hold layers and layers of meaning. One has to wonder, is it possible if these inspired words from Isaiah might mean something more? Something with dimensions that are even deeper and higher and wider than even the prophet's own assumption. Is it possible? Well, it turns out, at least in the mind of the writers of the New Testament, that it is. Because, as we said last week, after the resurrection of Jesus, after the ascension of Jesus, after the sending of the Spirit at Pentecost, and these people caught fire by the presence of the living God in their lives, started to look around, they saw Jesus everywhere. In life, and in Scripture, earth was crammed with Jesus. 
The translation of the Hebrew Bible that most of these early Christians read was uh, the Septuagint, the Greek Septuagint. And so they took that translation of the Hebrew Bible and they scoured it, believing that because it was God's Word, and uh, because Jesus was who they now knew Him to be, then they would surely find Him there in those pages. Surely there would be signs and signals and symbols of His presence strewn throughout history and strewn throughout Scripture, right? And they believed that if they searched for Him, for Jesus, with eyes of faith, they would find things they hadn't noticed before. Ordinary things and extraordinary things about Jesus that were as deep as Sheol and as high as the heavens. And this happened. We heard last week it happened a lot. Especially with Isaiah. For instance, one early church reader wrote this about the birth of Jesus. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the eyes of Matthew, and many more, Isaiah's prophecy was about more than even Isaiah ever understood. In the eyes of Matthew and many others, Isaiah's prophecy was crammed with heaven, layered with meaning that would take not two years, but seven centuries to find its full fulfillment. In the mind of Matthew and many others, Isaiah's prophecy was as deep as Sheol and as high as the heavens. Look, John, we never noticed it before, but, but look, you can't miss it even if you tried. Look, Peter, look, there it is. There it was all along. Isaiah's prophecy. His words were about more than we'd ever imagined. Isaiah's words were about more than he'd ever imagined. And really, when it came right down to it, Isaiah's life... And his work was about more than he'd ever imagined. God had more purpose for Isaiah's life than he'd ever imagined, more than he ever even came to understand. And my guess is that that is also true for each one of you. Your life means more to God than you think it means. Your purpose here is deeper and wider and higher than you will probably ever realize this side of the grave. And some of you desperately need to hear that today. Some of you need to believe that today. You mean more to us and to God than you realize. 
You may get a glimpse or two of what that meaning is like Isaiah did in his life, but God's purpose for you, and you'll see this depending on how tuned in you are, the depths and the dimensions of what you mean to God, you will never fully know this side of the grave. Though I hope that each and every one of you will come to know it more and more with each passing day and year as we move deeper and deeper and deeper into relationship with Jesus, the living God who is love, as we heard earlier today, and whose love for you is truly deeper than Sheol and higher than the highest heavens. And with that, on this Love Sunday, I want to close with a prayer for you written by the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians that is also layered with meaning and it will serve as my prayer for all of you this week as we move toward Christmas. Please close your eyes if you will and hear and receive these words as we continue to worship the living Christ today. For this reason, friends, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of God's glorious riches, God will strengthen you with power through God's Spirit in your inner being, so that you, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together now with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations now and forevermore. Amen. Christmas, one of the most beautiful signs that we have that God's presence is with us, is on the way. In response, we continue now to worship.